Squad Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Watton and J-Pat here with you once again with another edition of the post-game show as the Canucks come up short against VGK, a 4-3 loss in a game, J-Pat, that the Canucks were basically chasing all the way through and they weren't able in the end to catch up. Yeah, I think really this was a tale of two games, really. The first period where they're down 2 nothing. Self-inflicted wounds, the Ethan Bear turnover, that was dreadful, and Phil Kessel made him pay. And then Brock Besser, first of all, it was Burroughs, and then Besser, and they ran into trouble. Besser let uh, Riley Smith get away, and he made them pay. And so at 2 nothing, you thought, uh-oh, like, look out. Vegas might run away and hide from the Canucks. And even early in the second, there wasn't a whole lot going on. And that JT Miller penalty shot goal, uh, I think, seemed to ignite the team, the crowd, gave them a belief that they're down a goal, that, hey, even though they didn't have the good stuff in the early going, that, you know, maybe, maybe they'd find a way to grind out a victory. And, you know, they certainly didn't quit. And really, when I say it was a tale of two sort of different games, shots were 14 to 5 for Vegas in the first period. From that point on, and sure, some score effects in, in play. But the Canucks outshot the Golden Knights 30 to 13 over the final 40 minutes and tested Jonathan Quick. And there were pucks, there were loose chains. There was, uh, you know, the DiGiuseppe goal was a uh, product of a rebound and getting pucks to the net and getting bodies there as well. And that was one of the things Rick Tockett wanted to see a little bit more of uh, out of that Anaheim game where they had 40 shots on goal and only scored twice. Here they get three goals. Unfortunately, they gave up four. And so uh, they come up a goal short. Uh, here's maybe the craziest statistic I can come up with from a game that lacked passion and emotion. Like, we're this close to the playoffs, and Vegas is going to the playoffs, and every point matters to them. But I didn't really feel like they were a desperate team. Uh, there certainly was no heat in this hockey game at all. Uh, whatever the case, the Vancouver Canucks have never beaten the Vegas Golden Knights in regulation time at Rogers Arena. Now, they didn't beat them at all in this game. But nine times now, Vegas has come to Vancouver and left with something. And tonight, they leave with two points that keep them atop the Pacific Division, the Western Conference. And so Vegas got what it did. It kind of felt like Vegas did all it had to do, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And, you know, they get a 4-3 win where Jack Eichel had his moments, but he certainly wasn't a factor. He had a half-trick the other night uh, in their win over Columbus in their last game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, this wasn't a night where Vegas leaned on its top players and I said to the, you to this, or I said this to you on our YouTube pregame show earlier in the day. Like statistically, when you look at this Vegas team, nothing they do blows you away. And and I would say that about this game as well. And yet, at the end of the night, they were a goal better than the Canucks. They get the two points, and they keep on keeping on. Yeah, it's funny with this Vegas team. I I mean, you talk about top players, but they're pretty balanced. Like I know Jack Eichel is a, is a star. He's an all star, and. But they have like good balance throughout their entire lineup. Oh, they and we saw lots that. Of good players. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 And and again, like I said, you know, they just they they seem to have this just real depth that they have. But you're right. Like the first period, they put their foot down. They were able to uh, get that early lead, and then I'm not going to say they coasted, but they played like a a game that's late in the season for them for a team that's you know well on their way to the playoffs. So uh, I think for if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you're feeling good about this performance because really wasn't that tough, and you were able to pull it through in the end. Uh, Jonathan Quick was good. He was classic Jonathan Quick at times, though, uh, especially on that last goal. He's just sliding way out of position in that one. But, I mean, he's now what, the second uh, second all-time in wins for an American goaltender. So that's kind of 
uh, cool stat for for Jonathan Quick. When you look at the game for, for the Canucks, though, you know their big dogs were getting it done tonight as well. JT Miller with three points, Quinn Hughes another multi point game, and then Patterson chips him with an, an apple as well. Uh, Hughes up to sixty two assists now. But what might be the most remarkable stat of the night for him? was the three-minute and 13-second <laughs> shift to close the game. Unbelievable. He finishes with 29-35, but that was just incredible at the end from 43. That motor just keeps on running. Yeah, and he would have been right up there bumping against 30 minutes, except he took the penalty with 25 seconds to go True. and yeah. wasn't available uh, to the Vancouver Canucks. But JT Miller is on an incredible run. Yes. Uh, the month of March has been Miller time in a big way. He's been in on the last seven goals the Vancouver Canucks have scored. He got two tonight, and he gets an assist on the Di Giuseppe goal that got them back within one. Uh, you look at his month, though. He's got eight goals and seven assists, 15 points here in the month of March, and there's still a handful of games to go. Uh, it, it's wild, though, when you look at the breakdown of the goals. Three of them at even strength, one on the power play. That was tonight, his second of two. And four shorthanded goals, including the penalty shot goal. And he does seem to have perfected the slow roll there, whether it's a shootout or yeah. the penalty shot. I mean, it was the same move that he used on Corpusalo in Los Angeles the other night. Uh, you would have thought maybe Jonathan Quick and the Kings or the Golden Knights had done a little uh, pre-scout in case this game got to a shootout. Whatever the case, Miller shades way left and then cuts across and and just waits and waits and... Hey, pretty effective. I actually thought he had put it off the bar. I didn't, in real time, when I first look, I didn't know if he had uh, popped it under the bar, but uh, clearly he did. It was a goal, but at first blush, I kind of thought, oh man, like he had him beat and he put it off the crossbar and it stayed out. But uh, yeah, JT Miller just absolutely dialed in for the Vancouver Canucks right now. 28 goals on the season, uh, scoring in a whole bunch of different ways. And uh, it's good to see. And and look, I know Giuseppe scored, but... Phil DiGiuseppe's not really an offensive driver. He's a north-south guy, as Rick Tockett says. But this Miller hot streak has come primarily with a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe, who spent the bulk of the season in the minors on his wing. And so credit to JT Miller absolutely carrying that line. And, uh, you know, the other guy on the line, Brock Besser, I thought, okay, yeah, I didn't like the giveaway and the fact that he let Riley Smith get away. Uh, on the second Vegas goal. So it sort of compounded his problems there. But but Brock Besser is turning into an absolute net front ace. Like we saw the screen the other night on the Pedersen goal in Los Angeles, just standing his ground there. Uh, again tonight, JT Miller skating downhill. And there was, uh, you know, Brock Besser is the guy taking away the eyes of the goaltender, doing a nice job. And then when Thatcher Demko is on the bench for the extra attacker, Canucks didn't generate an awful lot. They got Demko out with three minutes to go. And I thought Besser had the best Besser, chance there, that yeah. rush off the right side. Quick made the blocker stop. Uh, the other thing that was really notable was no Andre Kuzmenko. And I wonder, I would think we'll get an explanation from the head coach, but Kuzmenko didn't see a shift after the eight-minute mark of the third period. So, you know, one-goal game, Tockett's coaching to win. Here is uh, your goal-scoring ace or one of them. And he parked him. And we've seen this before, obviously, with Tockett and Kuzmenko. I didn't see anything that was so egregious in this hockey game. And, I, you know, I'm fine. Like, ultimately, the results don't matter. So if you're going to adhere to your own rules and you want to, you know, mete out some tough justice, like, I'm fine with that. Uh, but I am curious to know why. Because, again, I, like, I didn't see things. I'm guessing that Rick Tockett saw something. 
uh, or was missing something from Kuzmenko's game. Whatever the case, a little curious that in a one-goal game, uh, Rick Tockett parked him and uh, just you know left him there on the bench, and ultimately the Canucks come up a goal short. Well, especially since he's kind of the big goal guy, right? Like, uh, yeah, Kuzmenko's late in games is his yeah, time, yeah. or has been. Yep. Yeah, he only plays 11.34 in the game. Two shots on goal on five attempts. No giveaways or anything like that. So nothing really on the stat sheet that, at least on the uh, event summary stat sheet, look under the hood a little bit here on him and see if maybe we can find something there. But yeah, it's interesting with Andre Kuzmenko. It's a it's a tough love game for him. And Rick Tuckett's going to, he's going to stick hard on it, right? And, you know, again, like this is a first-year player in the league and maybe there is something to the head coach that's glaring that is becoming a problem and he wants to to solve the and, and do it the tough way. I get that. But at the same time, too, like, don't you kind of want to win hockey games here or is it really more about the process, you think? Well, and again, I'll applaud the coach. I just, I hope that there's an explanation because uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, you know, park the guy and then turn to him with a minute to go and say, hey, get out there and, and win us this game. If Rick Tockett is trying to deliver messages to Kuzmenko individually, but to the team as a whole, if there are things in his game there that the coach won't stand for, then I'm fine for it. Like, whether the Canucks win this game, there are a lot of people that would say, hey, this is a perfect result for them. Other teams around them did end up getting points. The Detroit-St. Louis game went to overtime, so everybody was picking up points there, and that's good because that means they pull a little bit further ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, it really wasn't about this last-ditch effort and get Kuzmenko out there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because it, the last time this happened, the first game was Madison Square, then it was the Islanders, and then it was Detroit at the tail end of that road trip out of the All-Star break. And really, it was a three-game run. Like, it took a handful of games for Kuzmenko to get out of the doghouse. So we'll see if this is just a one-time thing or if he has to, you know, get back in the coach's good books here and uh, and figure some things out. Whatever the case, uh, yeah, I mean, the Canucks' chances of tying this game, I think they're better with Andre Kuzmenko than Dakota Joshua and Nils Amon were out there getting late shifts. Uh, Beauvillier has gone a little bit quiet in the goal-scoring department. I mean, really right now, uh, this game, and I know Di Giuseppe did score, but for the most part, like it's Miller, it's Patterson, and it's Hughes. I mean, those three guys uh, every single night out, uh, you know, Hughes with two more assists, as you mentioned. He's been in on six of the last seven goals. Uh, Miller's been in on the last seven goals, and Elias Patterson had his three-game goal-scoring streak snap, but does pick up points, so the points streak up to nine now, and uh, you know another point closer to a hundred. He's up to eighty nine points to go, uh, or eighty nine points with with twelve games remaining. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just some curious decisions by the head coach, but uh, whatever the case, you know, th- this game. And look, let's take a second here because we mentioned uh, Jonathan Quick. We all marveled at Thatcher Demko on Saturday in Los Angeles. Uh, the Teddy Bluger goal stuck. It did. Like, it just, you know, I, I'm st- it just kind of squeaked past him. Yeah. Those are goals that we, since he's come back, we haven't seen that kind of goal. But mm-hmm. Miller gets the penalty shot. You're back within one. You think maybe you've got some life halfway through a game that you haven't played particularly well. And that Bluger goal, like, it just felt like the pin in the balloon. Uh, the Dorfeyev goal, not much that Demko can do there. That was a wild deflection because it was really off the shaft of his stick and right up into the top of the net, short side. So no issues there with Demko. Uh, but the Bluger one, when you look at, you know, two bad goals in the first period by mistakes by players and then 
Thatcher Demko, who has been an eraser since he's returned from injury, unfortunately, uh, probably the worst goal that he has allowed uh, since he came back uh, whenever that was a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't like that one at all, and I'm sure uh, Thatcher Demko didn't, but you're right. It sort of took the air out of the balloon, uh, so to speak, even though Miller was able to get a power play goal to cut it to uh, one goal game. They end up responding after that as well. Um, interesting stat here with Quinn Hughes, and I know we've talked about how incredible he is in terms of uh, racking up the assists, our buddy Cam Robinson from Elite Prospects tweeting, Quinn Hughes has 15 more assists than any other defenseman since he stepped into the NHL. <laughs> so that's uh, Adam Fox, Roman Yossi, Victor Hedman, and Kale McCarr that are behind him right now. So some elite company there for Quinn Hughes as he continues uh, to have this incredible season. But of course, uh doesn't really matter as a team right now because the Canucks uh, fall in this one. Uh, it's interesting too. I want to get back to Kuzmenko for just a second here, because as you do sort of look underneath the hood, like everything here is telling me, I don't know what the coach was seeing. And it is going to be really interesting to hear his explanation. Expected goals over uh, 62%, uh, 58% of the scoring chances while he's out there, 71% of the high dangers as well. So yeah, I guess it's just these fine points that they're really trying to uh, dig into here uh, with individual players, and it definitely uh, seems to be something that they're focused on uh, with Andre Kuzmenko. And you kind of have to respect that, though, J-Pat. Like, if that is the case right now, because as we know, like, if this was a different circumstance in terms of needing a goal and them, you know, being in a perhaps a playoff race, I wonder if it would be a different sort of situation for Rick Tockett. Uh, with, with Andre Kuzmenko. Oh, if it was a playoff race, quite possibly, but it's not. And that's why I think it's important that he, mm-hmm. you know, sticks to his guns here and delivers the message. And let's be honest, like we've been saying for a while, we want to see Vasily Podkolzin get some opportunities. And Podkolzin had a few shifts late uh, with Elias Pettersson, and, and that's great. It didn't amount to much in the third period, but mm-hmm. Podkolzin had that chance at the buzzer in the second. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Jonathan Quick, credit to him, stuck with it, uh, got the glove out there, and Pat Colson pretty much shoveled it into the glove. But uh, that was a, a really good look for him. Uh, but I was glad to see that, you know, as time winding down, at one point there, I thought, okay, you know, I'm on. And like Sheldon Dries didn't play much in the third period. Kravtsov didn't play much in the third period. So uh, essentially, they went down to nine forwards. And when they pull the goalie with three minutes outside of Queen Hughes, you know, not every guy's going to stay out there for the full three. And so... I get it, but realistically, Amon and Joshua, and I didn't think they had a particularly strong night. You know, to me, they didn't represent much of a chance to generate the tying goal, but I was glad to see that Pod Colson uh, was given an opportunity in the late stages. And uh, again, uh, Canucks come up short in the hockey game, so uh, it doesn't really matter uh, in the grand scheme of things. But I I just want to make sure now, you know, every game that goes by, one less to you know, get some of these guys into some opportunities, into some situations. Aiden McDonough is going to get in. We heard earlier today, maybe on Sunday against the Chicago Blackhawks. So, you know, that's another body that's going to take up some ice time and we'll see how they utilize him and where they put him in the lineup. But, you know, I want to continue to see a guy like Pod Colson, particularly getting some opportunities to play a little bit higher in the lineup. Interesting situation for Kyle Burroughs tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Early game. Yeah. Yeah, and again, uh, we'll hopefully get some answers and some explanations. Turned out to be a brutal game for Kyle Burroughs and Christian Willan, and they were on the ice for three of the four uh, Vegas goals. So the first one was Ethan Bear trying to shovel it uh, rink-wide to 
to Quinn Hughes on the backhand, and that didn't work out so well. And Phil Kessel steps in, and and I, I didn't notice Kessel the rest of the way. He doesn't play a whole lot when they're protecting leads, so uh, his work was done. Maybe took off his skates in the third period, put his feet up. Who knows? Had a hot dog. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but after that, it was the Burroughs will land and goal or Burroughs will land and pair, and you know we pumped them up, and and rightly so. They've all played well. Uh, you know, in a pinch here, but uh, this was a tough night against a good opponent. And as you said, no real weaknesses. You can't spot guys. You can't shelter them against a team like Vegas because they've got four lines that can just keep coming at you and, and generate some offense. So, um, but yeah, for Kyle Burroughs, uh, you know, it doesn't take the warm up, doesn't think he's playing throughout the day. And who knows ultimately what happened to Noah Juleson. It was supposed to be Juleson. And then Jack Stadnik is out there as the extra body in the pregame warm-up play of defense. And that seemed to catch some people's attention. And it looked like the Canucks might go with just 5D and 13 forwards. And then sure enough, when the game starts, no, Kyle Burrow is not only in the lineup, but out there for the opening faceoff. So probably a scramble for him. Uh, find out if uh, we get the story of, you know, where he was. Was he in the gym, riding a bike, getting a workout in, whatever the case uh, get summoned that, hey, you're playing tonight. Suit up, get out there. And I don't know if that played into the preparation and the lack of preparation and, you know, just a tough a tough night for him and Will Lannan as a defense pair. So, uh, yeah, some curious circumstances. I wondered, too, you know, Philip Ronick was out there for the morning skate this morning. Rick Tockett had said uh, probably on Thursday, and I wondered if, you know, if, if this came down, like, could he have been an option if he's ready to go on Thursday? You know, in a pinch, could they have thrown him in and used him? But uh, obviously, didn't get to that. So we'll have to wait for Philip Ronick to make his debut. But that may come on Thursday against the San Jose Sharks. You think a couple of guys might make their debut? You think Aiden McDonough might get into the lineup on Thursday too? I don't, because Tockett said this morning that, and I like this. He, he had said that you know they want to make sure that uh, they give McDonough ample uh, warning of when he'll play, so that his family can be in attendance. And Tockett thought Chicago on Sunday was the likely game, and you know, if the coach says that, I doubt he's going to backtrack just because, you know, now the family's scrambling to get to Chicago and make travel plans and they want to be there. So I don't think you'd do that to the kid and his family and stick him in on Thursday once you've told them uh, that it looks like Sunday. And, and look, Sunday's back to back after they play in Dallas. Uh, the Blackhawks are not the stars. You know, that's going to be a significant game for Dallas. Every point matters. They played right down to the wire tonight against Seattle, got a goal with a second left uh, to force overtime. They lost in OT, but you know, they get a single point. They're in a dogfight for their division and the conference lead. Chicago, obviously not. I just think to give it, and and look, I hope Aiden McDonough sees tougher competition, but I, I like that idea. You know, and I, you could certainly have made a case that Thursday against the Sharks, for all those same reasons, uh, you know, a team that isn't scratching and clawing and just more of a, you know, a gradual entry. It's like one of those swimming pools that doesn't uh, have a diving board that, you know, the gradual entry. I kind of like that for a young player, get his feet wet in the National Hockey League. So it looks like Sunday uh, at United Center in the Windy City for Aiden McDonough to make his NHL debut. That one of those pools you like you do aqua fit in or something like that? Yeah. 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 All right. Gotcha. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The Rink-Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Poker Tips, sports odds, and free casino games. It's time to play. It's time to head into the dressing room. Here from Rick Tockett, Ethan Bear. Rick Tockett did not like that first period, nor did Ethan Bear. But here's Tockett talking about it. Well, I didn't like our first at all. Um, it's a good test for our team because Vegas has it. I, I, they're one of my favorite teams with the defense. They, that's what we strive to, you know, big defense that move the puck, and I don't think we were ready for it. We had three or four guys who weren't playing to our identity, and I think it's it struggled. And then at the second, third, I mean, we made a game. I thought we uh, we started to come. We, you know, the Miller line was they were monsters all night. They they dragged us in the fight. Their defense is quite ridiculous, though. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, when you've Peter, been, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Quinn Hughes, but Peter Angelo plays in all situations, yeah. big minutes, and is so effective. And then Shea Theodore is just so smooth in the way that he operates. Uh, Martinez has the pedigree and the cup championships Braden mcnab big and tough nick Hag's a big dude and, and so is zach whiteclad pretty mobile as well and you know we're in that ncaa free agent signing period and zach whitecloud was one of those guys true uh, yeah. you know that's you, you can find that kind of talent in ncaa free agency he doesn't happen all the time but man uh what a find for for the vegas golden knights and uh you know, he just kind of quietly goes about his business, but he's, you know, doesn't make many mistakes. And uh, so, yeah, interesting to hear Rick Tockett say that, because I, I do think even though Vegas doesn't blow you away statistically, uh, and that's just a big picket fence of six guys that they can roll out there defensively in front of uh, whoever is in goal. And tonight it was Jonathan Quick, but they uh, activated Logan Thompson. He's been out with injury for a while, so it looks like he's going to get back in there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays itself out quick with the experience, but Logan Thompson was uh, terrific for them in the early going. So they're going to have some decisions to make. Canucks do not. Dr. Demko is their guy. And, uh, you know, he won't play both games on the weekend, but uh, curious to see how many games he does play here down the stretch. What do you, what do you think? Do you think Jonathan Quick's got, got a run in him? Like, do you think he could lead a team to a Stanley Cup final? Again? <laughs> oh man. Like, you know, he had been basically placed on the scrap yeah. heap in Los Angeles yeah. Uh, and now he's five and one for the Golden Knights. So again, I think that speaks to sort of the team depth in front of him and the mm-hmm. way that they play. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just thought he was going to be a legacy player, and you know, he's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame when you talk about uh, where he sits and you know wins, wins for Americans, two Stanley Cups. I think the the pedigree is there, and you know, the Hall of Fame is short on goaltenders. Like we know that uh, Roberto Luongo got in, but that was part of the talk. Uh, when Louie went in was, you know, it's kind of underrepresented. So I do think Jonathan Quick uh, will get into the Hall of Fame, but I kind of figured that he would just be a legacy player, only play for the LA Kings. Of course, he was traded to Columbus and then quickly turned around and flipped to Vegas. So won't that be something if Vegas and LA end up on a collision course yeah, in right. the playoffs <laughs> and Jonathan Quick is uh, one of the focal uh, parts of that matchup? But a couple of bridges to cross before we get to, to that point. Yeah, I am for that 100%. <laughs> I would love to see that series. Uh, talking, talking about post game, how, you know, good lessons learned here when you're playing a team like VGK. You build on these sort of things. I know, you know, the end of the season, you know, these, these matter. Like, you know, this is a good evaluation for us, management, coaches, to know, you know, players that in these type of games, can they handle pressure? Do they know how to play to your identity? 
um, huge, huge evaluation. So, um, but I do like the fight in the guys, and I think some guys really dragged us in the fight tonight, which is huge. We're going to hear from the head coach on Kuzmenko in just a moment on why why he benched Kuzmenko. But when you're talking about uh, identity and not you know playing to their identity, it feels like he's talking about guys like Amon and, and Joshua. And, of course, Kuzmenko would definitely be lumped into that. Yeah, I know that he wasn't happy with the fact. He said that they had done their scouting. They had prepared these guys for Vegas, and it's two-man four-check. And he said, you have to move up ice and get past that. And when you turn back, that's playing right into their hands. And you look at that second goal, Burroughs turned back, and then Besser turned back and just compounded the problems. Yeah. And so, you know, he didn't name names, but that second goal uh, had to have crushed him because that kind of was everything that, you know, he said that they had prepared these guys for. And then, you know, if guys aren't listening to the game plan, you know, it winds up in the back of your net, then it's blown up in your face. All right. Well, let's hear from Amon Kuzmenko and why he benched uh, the Russian. I needed to get some wingers with Petey. who's got to chase some pucks down. I didn't think uh, that line was good at all. Um, you know, I got to get some guys that are going to hunt the puck down for Petey. Uh, because these are, you know, there's some teams when you play like a playoff style, you know, there might be nothing going on. So you need a good forecheck. So you can't just wait around for a goal. And I just felt that we needed to find somebody who's going to forecheck for Petey, I thought. Yeah. And the, again, like going back to the underlying numbers, even as a line of the Pedersen, Beauvillier, Kuzmenko, the numbers are, are decent when you look underneath the hood. But again, these are the sort of things that he's talking about. These are the finer details that we were talking about earlier that he wants to see. Yeah, and look, I mean, Kuzmenko has been incredible for the Canucks. If it happens that he doesn't play the final 12 minutes, uh, last time he bounced back and got on yeah. an incredible run, so I'm not worried about him. But, uh, you know, the coach has been pretty consistent since day one about this idea if you don't have a play, you know, live for another shift, that kind of stuff, hunting pucks, and and maybe he saw Kuzmenko just, you know, wasn't willing to, to battle uh, to the level that he wanted, to whatever the fact, Garland got out there for a couple of late shifts. We talked about Pud Coles and Kraft uh, Soft. Those guys got some shifts as well, and Kuzmenko was a spectator for the final 12 minutes of the hockey game, just three shifts in the third period. Of course, when you're facing a team like Vegas, who since they've come into the league, they've been uh, one of the more dominant teams uh, in the NHL. Ethan Bear was asked post game whether this was a learning ex- learning experience uh, for the Canucks. I think, you know, like we kind of... Um, fixed up our game plan going into the third and trying to keep things more simple. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like simple is what works in this league. And um, I think at the start, we we're trying to be a little too fancy and, and uh, just weren't being quick enough. And, um, you know, at the third, we started pressing on them and, and getting a lot of scoring chances and, and playing more in their zone. And um, yeah, like you said, it is a learning experience. Like it just shows us what works and what doesn't. Um, but yeah, like just, you know, we've been playing a lot of hockey lately. Oh, we just didn't get the start we wanted. So, you know what? Now we can just learn from it and get ready for the next one. It truly is. Like, even the teams that have, like, highly skilled players, like, if they don't play structurally in this league, they'll get burned, right? And he's right when it comes to keeping it simple is really the best, uh, you know, plan for a team, especially like the Canucks, who are top-heavy in terms of talent. But, you know, the guys lower down the lineup, they just want to keep things really simplified uh, to be able to stay in their game. Well, and I, I have to laugh a little bit when he says, we, we didn't get the start we were looking for. Yeah, because you put the puck right on Phil Kessel's stick there three minutes in, and, and Kessel scored a few goals in the league. So I uh, did talk a, about that in the post game. It, it, yeah. it was an eventful night for Ethan Bear, though, because he took the penalty that put the Canucks down a couple of guys in the first period. And then when he came out of the penalty box, he had a step on the defenders, and I had flashbacks to the game in Detroit. Remember, when he got chopped by Philip Ronick, of all people. 
And then it was uh, Di Giuseppe that, because he got hurt on the play, and Di Giuseppe right. had the penalty shot. And then in the third period, um, he had the rebound. Garland had the shot from the point, and Bear, um, and they were right down by there. two, yeah. but it was right there for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, again, he's playing with a full shield. He's probably adjusting a little bit, but, I mean, I think he got a lot on that shot and just uh, wasn't able to convert. But, uh, you know, sort of a mixed night for Ethan Bear in that sense that, uh, yeah, I generate a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, against a team like Vegas, uh, early in a game, you just can't cough up the puck the way that he did and provide a grade-A opportunity that, ultimately opens the scoring. And we did get an update on Kyle Burroughs as well and what happened with uh, uh, Kyle Burroughs. Uh, our buddy Farhan uh, tweeting in that, uh, or tweeting out uh, that he didn't even know he was playing in the game. He basically got called at 6.30 and got picked up to take into the rink, arrived there at 6.40 to Kyle Burroughs. So, yeah, a bit of a tough night as we uh, talked about earlier here, but uh, how about that though? Not even at the rink had to had to go and get them. Good thing these guys generally, at least most of them, live pretty close to the arena. Yeah, no, pretty eventful stuff. I, I I'm still a little baffled by the fact that a player uh, wasn't there. Even yet? if you're not yeah. one of the like you're a healthy scratch and you're not in the building, but I guess if he figured he wasn't playing, uh, maybe just show up at game time or. Who knows? I'm not sure. Yeah, dinner plans? I don't know. Uh, hey, one other thing that we should mention here, because we do this uh, on the regular, is the quest for 70. Yes. Uh, the Canucks did score a shorthanded goal. Uh, or, yeah. They, so Vegas had four power plays, including the final 25 seconds when Quinn Hughes uh, took the penalty. But that helps their penalty kill, because they killed that one off. So they end up going four for four on the night on the penalty kill with a shorthanded effort. So another very strong night for the Canucks when down a man. The updated number, mm. 69.7%. And I've done the math here. If they can kill off two, their next two Don't penalties. Oh, they're that close to 70% on the season. Again, the lowest of bars, but something we've been charting all year long. 12 games to go. And the Vancouver Canucks, they can almost smell 70% on the penalty kill. And they got San Jose coming in here on Thursday night. So might smell that. be. It smells so good. Oh, <laughs> there it comes, baby. There you go. So, you know, playoffs, eh, overrated, you know, Stanley Cup. Just get eh, to 70. Just 70%. get to 70. There you go. You got something to watch for now. <laughs> the BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. All right, let's get to my Bodog best bet because I didn't hit it tonight. Uh, Leas Patterson and Jack Eichel both over half an assist at plus 400. That was just like plus 400. Crazy. VGK scores four goals and Jack Eichel's not in on any of them. So that was upsetting. Elias Patterson, of course, got an apple tonight. So didn't hit that one. I also failed to mention in our last uh, post game pod, sort of brought it up, teased it at the start of the, the, the first segment, but I forgot to finish it in the third. I didn't hit on that one. Remember, I had the Canucks to score in all three periods. Right. Yeah. And they went first period, ding, second period, ding, third period, not so much. 
So missed out on my last two. Hopefully you guys didn't bet those and didn't lose any money like I did. I'll try to be better as we uh, finish off the final stretch here. Uh, let's get to Game in a Hashtag, which is presented by the Delaney's OK Tire out there on Fraser Highway uh, in Langley. And of course, we'll uh, kick things off here with Nuckenfutz, who says, hashtag giveaway costs them the game. Yeah, suppose. I think there was a lot of things that might have cost them this game, though. Hashtag uh, Quinn Hughes rocks. He definitely did, does. That's from Caro. Uh, Johnny Canuck says, hashtag the tank is back. <laughs> and Strong Belly follows it up with hashtag tank commander quick. There you go. Uh, hashtag good night. That one is from Chris. And Don says, hashtag no dice. Oh, d- let's get David C in as well. Cause you referenced this earlier. Hashtag Miller time. It certainly is Miller time right now. Yeah. And, and again, uh, like that downhill shot on the power play, oh, you know, I remarked the other night, yeah. like it, it, it feels like he's added like something to his fastball here. Like just yeah. the way that he's shooting the puck right now. And I know he did the slow roll on the penalty shot. I was kind of expecting him to come in and just drill uh, that as well. But uh, no, he's got his move on the penalty shot. But when he's shooting the puck and I know that like we've talked about Elias Pedersen and his wrist shot and we saw it on the power play in the two games in Southern California. Like, look, it works for JT Miller over on that other side, but he's a left shot. Like, I kind of like to see Elias Pettersson in that same thing where, you know, wind up and get some motion and attack the net. And I I mean, just with the velocity he's able to gain on his shot, you have to think that uh, Petey would be able to score a bunch on the power play as well. But, you know, Miller's got it down on that left side. They like Pettersson over on the right side. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just... uh, you know, it's fun to watch. I mean, I know that uh, at the start of the year, people were all on JT Miller's case. And I think, uh, you know, there's so much of that. Oh, they committed to Miller and now it's going to squeeze Horvat out. And, uh, you know, whether it was the fact that with the Horvat trade, it just sort of created uh, the opportunity for him to be a center again. Uh, you know, whether it was a coaching change and Rick Tockett sort of instilling some confidence in JT Miller. Uh, whatever the case, like he is looking and, and playing like a different guy since the coaching change and under Rick Tockett. And so much of it is, uh, you know, the, the velocity on his shot right now. And you saw it on that uh, second period power play. Yeah, we have a, an Ask J-Pad asking if it is the coaching change that sort of set Miller free. I know we've batted this around already before. I, I don't know if you can say it's the coaching change. I mean, he was racking up points with Bruce as well, right? He just had a bit of a dip uh, to start this year. And it wasn't even really a dip. Like he was still kind of on like JT Miller sort of pace um, that we've seen, but now he's just unreal here and it's not boding well for you and your fantasy draft at all, because it, I no. am catching up big time. What I think I was six, one to you tonight in terms of points. I was, yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's get some ass J Pats in here. We got a bunch of people asking about burning out Quinn Hughes. I, I, I mean, can you even worry about that at this point of the year? Like you might as well ride him at this point of the year, right? Uh, two weeks ago, I sort of had that concern. Now I'm just sitting yeah. back and enjoying the, yeah. I, I'm along for the ride here. He's going to have a, a long off season. He's 23 years of age. Yeah. He seems to be thriving in it. Uh, I, I, I love the edge this morning after the morning skate where he kind of popped off a little bit uh, for Quinn Hughes, where, you know, he talked about uh, people don't think I can defend. They're not watching my game recently. You know, and that's like pretty strong words from him. Like, you know, he's not a guy that, uh, you know, creates a lot of waves or headlines, but I thought uh, all of this talk of the Norris and, it, you know, his name just doesn't seem to surface. And I'm sure some of that trickles back to him. Either he picks up on it or the people around him and in his camp tell him that. You know, it, 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 the, 
Like he's a competitive guy. We know that. And he's dialed in right now. And so, again, he's not going to, uh, he's certainly not going to win the Norris, but it was interesting. I saw Craig Button on Donnie and Dolly say, hey, he's got a vote and Quinn's certainly going to be on his ballot. So, oh. you know, maybe some people are starting to sit up and take note here because, uh, you know, it's been a good season, but kind of like JT Miller, uh, he's making this late season push here and up to 62 assists. You know, and I, I, I talked about this when I was on Sakaris and Price uh, yesterday, and then uh, you know, I, I wrote it uh, for Daily Hive. So people, some people may have seen this uh, in print, but I'll just repeat it here because I, I just find this fascinating that in Quinn Hughes's lifetime, he's 23 years of age. One defenseman in the National Hockey League has cracked 70 assists in 23 years. And it was Roman Yossi last year. Eric Carlson's going to get there this year. But we're talking about things that haven't been done in basically a quarter century. And he's now eight assists shy of 70 for the season. And, you know, it's just, it's a remarkable accomplishment. And and so, you know, he's already bested his point total or his assist total of a year ago. Tonight, the first assist that he got was a new franchise record that broke the record that he himself set last year. And he'll probably continue to break it here in the years to come. But, you know, he's doing things that we haven't seen in Vancouver ever. But when you look at it at a league-wide perspective, Roman Yossi is the only defenseman in the last 23 years to have had more than 70 assists. And Quinn Hughes is likely you know, I mean, in the eight over the final 12 games, pretty good chance. If he stays healthy, uh, he's going to get there. But no, I'm not worried about the ice time. I, I was for a little while, but he seems up to the challenge. And in fact, it almost feels like it's bringing out the best in him that, uh, you know, he's yeah. being challenged by the coaching staff. And he's like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I believe it's a list of nine guys that have done it in terms of uh, the 70 assists club. But there'll be two more uh, this year with uh, Car- Eric Carlson. And Quinn Hughes, and uh, in fact, there might be a few more because Josh Morrissey, no, no, he's not actually, he's at 54, so there you go. So Carlson and Hughes will get in there, which is a good follow-up here uh, in terms of uh, Quinn Hughes because we have a question here from, no, it's from Strongbelly, yeah. Quinn Hughes' contract close to the best value in the league right now. (laughs) It's interesting because as you pull it up here, I'm just looking at NHL defensemen and, and where they're at in terms of scoring. You know, Carlson's making 11-5. Josh Morrissey's on a really good ticket, but this might be Josh Morrissey's outlier season, right? At 6-2, uh, 5. Uh, Doug, Dougie Hamilton is third in defensive scoring. He's making 9 million. So Quinn Hughes at 7.85. And when you consider how long that's, uh, he's got left on that contract and, you know, where the cap will essentially go in a few years, that is going to be a very valuable contract in the NHL. Yeah, and that was always the talk that, uh, you know, they were able to get Hughes, but they went the bridge deal with Elias Pettersson. And now, you know, you're understanding why the people that thought it was imperative that they get both of them long term then. uh, And even if it meant, you know, overpaying a little bit for Pettersson, but, you know, Pettersson's going to push 100 points this year. And if he takes that into his negotiations, we saw JT Miller negotiate off a career year. You know, I, I do think that Elias Pettersson's going to be in that ten and a half, eleven million dollars, and you just wonder if they had been willing to overpay a little bit, you know, on on a longer term deal instead of having to go for the bridge deal. Uh, in the end, the bridge almost always ends up costing you, and that's certainly going to be the case with Pettersson. So I'm sure the Canucks are delighted that they've got four more years beyond this one uh, with one of the best offensive generators. Uh, on the blue line in the National Hockey League in Quinn Hughes. Yeah, 7.850. That I mean, that's going to look like 
Yeah. I mean, you know, like like a 5 million, like 5.8 yep. really in a couple of years, right? I mean, this all depends, of course, on where the salary cap's going to go, but just with the way revenue's been going in the NHL, unless we hit another pandemic. But he's 23 uh, and he's he's getting yeah. better. Like, you're right. Like, yeah. you know, if, if he can produce anywhere close to this over the balance of his contract, then absolute value, like incredible value, uh, where, you know, we're going to see some of these other defensemen that are up for negotiation uh, you know, they're going to blow that contract out of the water and the Canucks are going to be reaping the, the benefits of, uh, you know, what looks like an awfully affordable ticket uh, for four more years. Eric Carlson at 11.5. Like, wow. he, yeah, I hope we'll he calls the- his agent every single morning and thanks him. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, Eric Carlson is is a fine defenseman. Very, very good defenseman. And have an incredible season uh, this year. But even that contract back then was like, woof. Really? That one's going to be sort of uh-huh. odorous at the at the end of it, but maybe right hey, now it's not. We'll we'll see. We're going to see Carlson and Hughes share the yeah, ice here on yeah. Thursday, and uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating. They both play a ton. They both love to handle the puck. They both generate an awful lot. And you know, San Jose has got nothing going for it. I mean, they're very clearly in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, but you know, they pushed the Oilers to overtime last night. So just when you think teams are going to roll over. Uh, you know, just because San Jose is buried at the bottom, you know, the Canucks are in no position to think that uh, there are going to be easy hockey games. Saw that with Anaheim the other night, and uh, they'll probably see that with San Jose. And, you know, if the Sharks generate some offense, pretty good chance that uh, Eric Carlson's going to be involved. Yeah, four more years left on that contract for Carlson. He'll be 33 at the end of May. All right, uh, let's get to this part of the show that everybody loves. I love it. And I'm wondering where you're going to go here. I, I'm really wondering where you're going to go here because there's a few guys that you could probably choose from tonight. So who did something in this game, of course, presented by Jason Ominick at Jason.Mortgage. Well, we just uh, spent a fair bit of time talking about Quinn Hughes and two more helpers for him. So, yeah, he did something. But, uh, again, I, I, I'm just uh, enjoying the run that JT Miller's on. And, you know, is it going to last? Probably not at this rate. I mean, in on seven straight goals for the hockey club. Uh, you got to sp- spread the wealth, but at the same time, you'd like to see a few others step up and, and contribute, and that hasn't happened uh, for a few games now, really going back to, uh, well, uh, before Di Giuseppe scored, you know, I had looked at the 10 goals before that, and uh, it was Miller with a bunch, Pedersen had a handful, Kuzmenko, Besser, and Brisebois. Uh, <laughs> the game you know, Brisebois was the outlier there, um, but, you know, we're not seeing a lot from the third and the fourth lines, um, but JT Miller and we talked about that. I mean, those top end guys are carrying this team. So yeah, on a night where he has two goals and an assist, JT Miller, even though the Canucks come up short 27th of the season on the power on the penalty shot, 28th of the year on the power play, and then sets up Di Giuseppe midway through the third. So a three point night for JT Miller. That is certainly, uh, you know, it qualifies for a did something candidate. And because he scored on a penalty shot, and we saw a penalty shot the other night denied by Thatcher Demko in Los Angeles, but this one successful, uh, we'll go with penalty shot as the hashtag to get in on the $25 gift card to the Dutch BC's bre- best breakfast. So make note of that hashtag penalty shot. And as always, did something, a presentation of Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. And Jason doesn't want you to go it alone. JT Miller went alone on the penalty shot and was successful. But if you're up for a renewal or you're in the market for a new mortgage, don't go by yourself. The banks, they're in it for themselves. You need somebody on your side, and that's where Jason Hominick comes in. He wants to help. He's saved Rinkwide listeners' money, and he wants to save you some cash as well. So uh, if you're starting your search, um, you know, make sure it begins with a phone call to Jason Hominick. You can find his contact info on his website at Jason.com. 
dot mortgage. Send that hashtag uh, penalty shot into the GoGoat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680 and that'll get you into a draw to win a $25 gift certificate to BC's Best Breakfast. That's right. Check them out at the Dutch dot com check you out on the uh, sakaris and price podcast through the week that's been pretty cool that you've been filling in there i've been enjoying those listens myself but uh you and i of course have a, a bit of a busy week here still ahead of us thursday against the san jose sharks as we mentioned and then a weekend a couple of uh is it a matinee affair at four or three o'clock in the afternoon is that is that still a matinee Do you consider yeah that i think f- yeah. i think four o'clock qualifies late afternoon but I, I think in my mind anything before five would be all right uh, and some people would say yeah, technically fives in the afternoon as well but in my mind in hockey you know in the hockey world four is the early game on hockey night on a saturday so yeah it's an earlier start than usual uh but now uh, we'll call it a late afternoon affair and then a quick turnaround into chicago yeah. and then the road trip takes them to st louis as well so yeah we've been talking about this that you know this is this stretch of eight games in 13 nights it kind of feels like they can't come up for air uh it'd be interesting to see if they have a practice day on wednesday or if he gives them another day off because they're back at it thursday travel on friday and then back-to-backs on the weekend but uh, thursday night philip ronick likely to make his canuck debut so certainly uh you know a new wrinkle there something to look forward to and as we said uh anytime you can see quinn hughes and eric carlson share the same sheet of ice this year uh probably worth the price of admission so uh, yeah fair bit going on with this hockey club right now yeah and the winning streak uh came to an end wasn't really too much of a winning streak just those back-to-back mm-hmm. wins uh in socal but the canucks have been hot over the last nine games or so so uh tonight though a 4-3 loss to the vegas golden knights it's been another edition of the rink-wide vancouver podcast presented by bodog for jeff patterson i'm andrew wadden remember rink-wide is the show that always goes.